SEP Fanfic Readings presents Thanks to the Photographs by Unstable Hufflepuff Chapter 22 Weasley is our king Are you certain about this? Yes, I'm not just going to lie down and take it anymore, Draco. Even if some would consider it petty, I still want to do it. And you really think he'll know it was you? Well, he'll probably think it was you, to be perfectly honest. Though he'll know you'd have gotten your information from me. How else would you know he listens to Lee's broadcast after dinner? Good point. Draco handed the brown paper package to the tawny owl that had flown down from its perch the moment they entered the owlery. It took the string it was tied up with in its beak and flew off into the distance. You think they'll really play it? I think they will when they see how much money is in it for them, Hermione said as they made their way down from the snow-covered steps, mindful of the ice. Besides, Lee will probably play it regardless of what his superiors decide. He took the same stance as George when everything went down. He'll probably get a laugh out of it, you know. I always thought Jordan was all right. Liar. Fine, said Draco, opening the door for her. He pissed me the fuck off. Is that what you wanted to hear? Hermione reached up to kiss his cheek, smiling, and he huffed in frustration. He was incredibly vocal about his opinion on the Slytherin team— a Quidditch commentator is supposed to be an unbiased third party. He was very entertaining, though, said Hermione slyly. He was also very vocal about his interest in Angelina Johnson. Do you remember that? Isn't she George Weasley's wife? Mm-hmm. I always thought she was a fierce competitor. I may not have liked her. You know, she was on the Gryffindor team and all. But she certainly had my respect. Draco frowned, then added. Though she did marry a Weasley— even if it was one of the better ones, so I don't know what that says about her. Harry married a Weasley. Ginevra is way out of his league, said Draco, scoffing. Morning, lovebirds! They both fell silent as they turned into the entrance hall, where Veronica was standing with her brother, of all people, Zachariah Smith. She gave them a smile that was so forced it was unnerving. You remember my brother, don't you? Of course, said Hermione, before Draco could say anything rude. How are you, Zacharias? Zacharias gave her what was quite possibly the filthiest look she had ever seen. So, he's taken that side on things, she thought sourly. Thinks I'm some Death Eater whore, most likely. I've been better, he said shortly. Smith, said Draco with a nod. Zacharias did not acknowledge him. Definitely thinks I'm some Death Eater whore. Anyway, we've got to run, Veronica told him somewhat awkwardly. Lessons to teach, minds to expand, you know. You can ignore this all you want, Ronnie, he said, glaring at her, but it won't go away. And with that, he left. Well, said Draco in false cheeriness, at least Jordan was a better commentator than him. Hermione elbowed him. Sorry about that, said Veronica in a strained voice. She turned abruptly, heading into the great hall as they followed close behind. Why was he here, Veronica? asked Hermione, keeping her voice down to fend off any listening students. And so early in the morning at that. Oh, you know, just popping in and before heading to work, said Veronica evasively. Probably knew it was the only time he'd catch me, too. I never did give him that password to my quarters. She took her seat at the head table, and Draco and Hermione took their own next to her, each of them muttering a quick good morning to Neville as they did so. Hermione immediately turned back to Veronica. What did he want to talk to you about? Veronica sighed, suddenly looking very tired. "'Remember when I told you all those dates our mother was sending me on?' Hermione and Neville both nodded. "'He stopped by to reinforce the apparent severity of the issue. 
Fucking prick. Always was a mama's boy. Oh, Zacharias was here, wasn't he? said Neville. Ah, Draco seemed to have caught on, and he gave Veronica a sympathetic look. What? One heir wasn't enough. She wants you to make a few of your own. I'm going to wind up a spinster, she says, Veronica told him darkly. An unusual tone for a Hufflepuff. She doesn't want me making her look bad. That's awful, said Hermione indignantly. She should recognize that you're an adult now. She has no right to control your life like this. That's the way it is in most old families, Hermione, said Draco. Not only mine. Just because the Smiths are Hufflepuffs, and they are essentially blood traitors, doesn't mean they're any different when it comes to marriage. Veronica nodded in agreement. Would it help at all if you were to speak to your mother about your feelings on this? Hermione asked her tentatively. If you explain to her why you don't have any interest in these plans. If she finds out that the only heir she'd get out of me didn't share my blood, she'd flip. I've avoided it this long. I can avoid it a little longer. For the remainder of the day, Veronica was in a sullen mood. It was strange to see, since she was normally such a cheerful and talkative person, and it seemed to be contagious, too. Draco was quiet all throughout dinner that night, a seeming permanent scowl on his face. Hermione wondered if this had brought up some of the issues he was facing with his own family. And sure enough, when they left the Great Hall, he pulled her into his quarters, looking nervous but determined. "'Before we go to Pansy and Theo's tonight, there's something I've got to do,' he said. "'I know,' he swallowed. "'I know that you don't feel entirely comfortable being out and about in the wizarding world, but I... I really don't want to go alone.' Hermione nodded quickly, laying a comforting hand on his arm. "'That's okay. I'll come.' Draco let out a breath of relief, dropped his head to rest it on her shoulder. She dragged him closer so that she could wrap her arms around him. "'Where is it we need to go?' He lifted his head to look her in the eye, his mouth twisting into an apologetic grimace. "'Diagon Alley.' The temperature had not changed since the last time Hermione and Draco had left the warmth of Hogwarts, but it still felt much colder to them as they came to a stop outside the entrance to the Leaky Cauldron. As much as Hermione wanted to get her life back together, she was a bundle of nerves, and Draco wasn't much better. She had not stepped foot in Diagon Alley since before those photographs came out, and his visits had been scarce over the years, seeing as they often drew a lot more of unwanted attention. In fact, the last time he'd been, someone had hexed him in the middle of the street. Even if he would not say what they were there to do, she wasn't about to let him do it alone. Taking a deep breath, she took his hand in hers and opened the door. The pub was just as she remembered it. It was warm and lively, especially with the after-work rush. The air was partly filled with tobacco smoke, and patrons of the pub sat around talking boisterously. Hannah was behind the bar, serving drinks, and was the first to notice them. She had always been very aware of her surroundings, though that could probably be contributed to her anxiety. She gave them a rather nervous smile before her eyes flitted fearfully over the crowded pub. And then, everyone else noticed who had just walked in. The chatter ceased immediately. Hermione returned Hannah's smile with a slightly unsteady, Hello. What brings you two in today? Hannah asked, equally as unsteady. She glanced around at the patrons again before looking back at Hermione and Draco. We have some business with Gringotts the latter said, in an impressively even tone for someone with such sweaty palms. "'Oh, well, it's good to see you.' "'You too, Hannah,' said Hermione. She caught sight of an old woman glaring at her and winced. "'We best be on our way now.' "'Yeah, and take your death-eater pet with you,' someone shouted, causing an uproar of agreement. 
Hermione hurriedly led Draco out of the pub before anyone took it upon themselves to throw something at them. "'We can do this,' she told him firmly. Draco nodded, weakly, then withdrew his wand to tap it thrice against the brick wall. It transformed into an archway, revealing the busy cobblestone street beyond. Already there were people staring at them. They hastened onward, keeping their heads held high and avoiding eye contact. A couple of people hollered at them. It was impossible to tell which one of them was the object of their anger— but they continued nonetheless. Once they made it inside Gringotts' bank, they both sighed in relief. Even Hermione, who the goblins were not particularly pleased with, and hadn't been there since she'd broken in. Squaring his shoulders, Draco led the way towards one of the few available counters and cleared his throat to get the goblins' attention. Draco Malfoy, I'm here to open up a vault for myself. Hermione looked at him in surprise. Even the goblin raised his eyebrows. Very well, Mr. Malfoy he said after a moment. He gathered a few forms for Draco to sign and slid them over, along with a self-inking quill. Just sign here and we'll have it set up for you. Do you have any money you would like to place in it today? As a matter of fact, said Draco slowly, hastily signing all of the necessary documents, as though he thought someone would appear out of nowhere to stop him. Yes, I would like to move my inheritance from the Malfoy vault into this new one. Hermione gasped. Do you have your key? asked the goblin. Draco reached into his coat pocket and placed an ostensibly large gold key on the counter. The goblin inspected it for a minute, then nodded and gave Draco several new forms to sign. Can you have this done today? It can be done. I'd greatly appreciate it if this process was done as speedily as possible. It is of the utmost importance. It can be done, Mr. Malfoy. The goblin gave him a threatening look. Is there anything else you wish to remove from the Malfoy vault? "'My grandmother drew Ella Black's ring, if you would. "'It was promised to me, so there shouldn't be an issue in moving it. "'Are you aware that your parents will have to be notified of these changes?' "'Yes,' said Draco tersely. "'I am.' "'The goblin made a hm sound and took the sign forms back. "'He reviewed them with narrowed eyes, "'and upon seeing that all was as it ought to be, "'he handed them over a new, much smaller key. "'Your new vault number is 534.' Will that be all, Mr. Malfoy? Yes, thank you. Draco slipped the key into his pocket, took Hermione's hand again, and walked out of the bank without a backwards look. Only once they were outside did Hermione speak. You really think they'll cut you off? I don't know, he said wearily. I'd like to be prepared, though, just in case. I'm sorry, Draco, said Hermione softly, coming to stop on the last of the front steps. He turned to face her. I wish it didn't have to be this way. Draco raised a hand to tuck an errant curl behind her ear. I know, he said, but it's not your fault. It's not mine, either. Hopefully, hopefully they will come to see that this isn't as bad as they believe. But until then, I'm not taking any chances. She took both of his hands in her own, giving them a comforting squeeze. Did you know that I love you? Draco inhaled sharply. No, I didn't. "'Well, I do,' said Hermione, very matter-of-factly. "'I love you, too.' "'Good,' she said with a firm nod. "'I'd feel terribly embarrassed right now if you didn't.' Draco laughed, a loud, gleeful sound that she couldn't help but imitate. And then he leaned down to kiss her, right there on the front steps of Gringotts, for all of Diagon Alley to see. Neither of them paid any attention to the looks they got as they made their way back to the leaky cauldron— Nothing anyone said could possibly put a damper on their moods. 
Their smiles were impenetrable. They took the pub's flu straight to the Knot Manor, and stepped out in Pansy and Theo's foyer, still grinning ear to ear. "'Oh, good!' Blaze exclaimed as they entered the sitting-room. He was lounging on one of the sofas with his feet up and took a drink already in hand. "'We were starting to worry that you'd miss it!' "'Oh, you kidding?' said Draco, sitting on the opposite sofa and dragging Hermione along with him. He wrapped an arm around her shoulders, and she promptly sank into his embrace. "'We wouldn't miss this for the world.' "'I'd certainly hope not,' said Pansy haughtily, from her place on the ottoman. "'I put a lot of effort into this, you know.' "'Your mother would be proud to know the vocal lessons she paid for were put to good use,' said Theo, smirking behind her. He reached over to turn the dial up on the wizarding wireless on the side table next to him, and their ears were instantly greeted by the voice of Lee Jordan. He had barely spoken before Blaze was stifling a laugh. "'Hello, all, and welcome back to River Hour on WWN. I am your humble host, Lee Jordan, commentator extraordinaire.' I've got plenty to share with you today concerning the goings-on of the Wizarding World. But before we get to that, we have a special request from an old friend of mine. For those of you who attended Hogwarts in the 96-97 to school year, this may bring back some fond memories. Or not. That's not really my problem. So without further ado, here we have Weasley is our King! The drunken voices of Blaze, Theo, and Pansy rang out from the wireless. Weasley cannot save a thing. He cannot block a single ring. That's why Slytherins all sing. Weasley is our king. Weasley was born in a bin. He always lets the quaffle in. Weasley will make sure we win. Weasley is our king. Weasley is our king. Weasley is our king. He always lets the quaffle in. Weasley is our king. 